out of tune with your boy how's everyone doing i'm doing good here uh summer is crowning us right now uh starting to say goodbye to my seasonal depression that's kind of nice um yeah everything's kind of getting a little more fast-paced if it wasn't already uh got a lot of ooh, got a lot of good music on the hard drive right now i can't wait to start putting out um got a lot of big career moves up my sleeve um kind of just loading the gun for summer if you know what i'm saying uh today we got sendai mike on the pod he's a mixing engineer from seattle uh it's a great conversation because he has built himself a music career which not a lot of people can do so you know any any insight people can get on that is always a good thing um definitely a conversation for anyone who who makes music uh if you don't make music turn back now i guess (laughs) i don't know um yeah, I got, I got nothing else to say. He's got a Discord server that he just started up. I'm going to leave it in the description. Go check that out. Connect with him. Find him on Instagram. He's going to plug it at the end. Um, and yeah, I got nothing else to say really, guys. Oh, I uh, I skipped last week's episode. Or not last week, but two weeks ago. Um, we're behind an episode just because of some last-minute planning stuff. And I'm just lazy and a whole host of reasons. But we're back on track. Got a new episode for you guys. Um, and it's, it's, we're firing off. Let's get it. Let's go. Okay. So I gotta say, I think I'm super excited for this conversation because it's very rare that people get to talk to um people who have created their own career in the music industry you know there's there's a lot of stories about the music industry but very few are actually success stories and so it's actually great to be able to talk to someone who's experienced you know that level of success that a lot of people look for so i guess just to kick it off talk a little bit about um who you are what you do for anyone who doesn't know who by the way actually is it sendai mike is that how it's pronounced yep yep sendai okay, mike yes sir sweet so just give like a little brief summary um, for people who yeah. don't know who you are about what you do. I'm Sendai Mike. I'm a mixing engineer, uh, technically recording mixing engineer. I work with vocalists, mostly hip hop, pop, R&B, vocal genres over electronic production. And I, um, I got into this uh, from, because I used to make beats. I still make beats a little bit, but that's how I kind of started um many years ago, making a lot of beats, got to know a lot of rappers and, uh, you know, one thing turned into another and, uh, just, yeah, it's, it's a, you know, there, there's lots of different decisions along the way. The thing I think that, you know, that's important for me to say is like the thing that you think it is in terms of like making a living in the music industry is not what it actually is is <laughs> the thing that I find out more and more every day. It's crazy, yeah. you know, but, uh, uh, it's definitely a great time to be, be an artist or a service provider. Um, is what I've found. Like if you're trying to be in the music industry, if you can provide a service like this, there's a lot of, uh, business opportunity there. For sure. Yeah. And we can get seriously into that later. Um, but go into kind of like what you do on a daily basis or like on a weekly basis, like what does your day week look like? Definitely, man. Um, so I have a little recording, like a vocal recording studio here in Seattle, Washington, and I do hourly sessions with artists and it's almost always rappers and singers. And, um, I do, uh, like a typical day for me, like I wake up around nine, I get in the studio around, uh, between 11 and noon. And then I have sessions from two till 8 PM. Oh, wow. And I've really cut that back over the, over the years. I think when I first started, you know, I was just letting people book whenever they wanted to. And so that's been a really big learning process for me to like limit the number of hours that I actually can work and, uh, keep it, keep it reined in so that I can actually come home after and, and have a life outside of, outside of the studio. Cause given, you know, left to my own devices, I'll just stay in here all the fucking time. Uh, I, so, yeah. <laughs> I'm actually kind of curious. Do people ever bail on you last minute? Like they set up a session and then like last minute they, they bail. It happens occasionally, but I basically take the entire payment up front and, and it says right when they pay that um, if you cancel within 24 hours, you forfeit that money. So oh, yeah. there, I have a very low cancellation rate. And when people do have emergencies that come up, 
I'm usually just cool with it because by that time I usually have a relationship with them and uh, I, yeah. I, you know, we're on the same page about it. nobody's trying to fuck anybody over. Uh, but definitely um, taking, taking the, taking the whole payment up front definitely helps with that. Yeah. It's, it's kind of funny. I do like online commissions. So like artists might hit me up on Instagram and just like yeah. ask me to do certain production favors. And it's always funny when like we set up the whole deal, like how much it's going to be, what kind of beat I'm making them, whatever I'm doing for them. And then right as the conversation ends, they're like, great, man, I'll hit you up when I get paid. And then I never hear from them again. It's so funny. Dang. It's hilarious. Um, and it doesn't, it doesn't just happen to me. It happens to like everyone too, which is great. Yep. 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 Um, so talk to me a little bit about what your childhood looked like as far as like where you grew up, what your hobbies were as a kid, social life. Were you musical at all as a kid? Uh, yeah, yeah. That, that's a great question. I, um, so I grew up in a small town, a little bit West of Seattle, um, about two hours West, a uh, little, little tiny, tiny little town out there. And so I grew up playing violin. I played classical violin, uh, you know, when I was like six years old, my parents mm. had me playing violin and I played also like square dance music, like Amer- like traditional American fiddle tune stuff uh, yeah. as well. And I got a little older, I think in like third grade, I started playing drums mm-hmm. and I got a drum set. Uh, so I played in like rock and punk bands when I was uh, through middle school and high school playing drums and uh, I fucked around a little bit with guitar, and uh, but but not too much. And it wasn't until um, I started fooling around a little bit with beats, you know, in high school, like here and there. But back back then, you know, I'm I'm 30 years old, so when I was 15, we didn't have. Uh, I mean, there was FL was out, but like I was using a program called Sony Acid, um, and there wasn't like YouTube tutorials and stuff, you know. So I was just like putting yeah. sounds into Sony Acid and stretching them around and stuff trying to make little weird little grooves. It wasn't like, it wasn't like, uh, yeah. mm-hmm. it was, it was a completely different vibe. Uh, but yeah, around, uh, yeah, that, um, but yeah, so high school. has always been, say what? That was around high school. You said, yeah, when, well, I think I made my first beat in a computer when I was around 15, mm-hmm. but, uh, yeah, music has always been a very central, central part of my life for sure. Growing so, up. So, when you were in high school and you said you made your first beat, was was that a, a, a popular um, hobby a lot of kids had or was that very just you in your community or? At that time, you know, there was a lot of uh, art, like musicians in my town, um, but I don't think I know anybody that was doing any sort of, uh, it was just a very random, uh, for whatever reason, my dad had Sony Acid for recording um his guitar or something it was he was just using it to record his own uh guitar mm-hmm. and for yeah i didn't know in in high school i don't think i knew any other producers um it just wasn't it just wasn't like a it just wasn't a thing that people were doing we didn't have you know back then it's not even that long ago but like there was like one family computer you know we didn't all have laptops mm-hmm. and stuff so it was yeah a, yeah it was a <laughs> that's funny yeah time. um it's kind of funny like was um was the scene for music producers like very similar at all in the sense that you know we we kind of glorify some of the top producers as if they're like our number one idols as if they're like superheroes was that a thing back then or were music producers still kind of just like the underground people that didn't get all the credit that they do nowadays that's a good question man i was so you know when i was 15 just making those first beats i it it wasn't even i wasn't even conceptualizing that like this is how music is made or like you know it was just completely just like a little side like just little weird thing that i just uh did here and there but Mm -hmm. i think you know I, i can speak on like a little bit later um you know between 2010 and 2013 is when i started hopping on soundcloud and that, and during that time, that was definitely a time I think when, at least for me, I started being like, okay, there's people out there that are like gods with fucking production, and I'm trying to do that, and I'm trying to be like them. Like when selection, I don't even know if selection is like culturally relevant anymore, but uh, there, uh, they were like a big early beat scene, um, like sort of click from LA, and. Uh, like Monty Booker, like they, he, they put him on, they put on a bunch of like really early progressive, like Sango came out of that camp. A lot of um, producers that I thought were like the dope. Yeah, I thought they were the dope, like, you know, like really, uh, really dope. But that wasn't, that wasn't until later for, for me to. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
That was actually kind of my next question. Who who were kind of your your biggest inspirations when it came to the music scene uh, at an early age? You know, for me, it was like the people that were you know kind of came up with you. It being like Skrillex and kind of just the yeah. people from like the 2011 era. era. Right when when I was a kid, uh, well, like when I start, first started making beats, I was making like hip hop, like old hip hop shit. Um, mm-hmm. And so for me, it was the, my biggest influences were like Jay Dilla. DJ Premier, a lot of East Coast '90s shit like samples and NPCs and that sort of that sort of style. DJ yeah. Shadow, um, old head shit. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like no, it wasn't. That's not even electronic production. You know, it's like sampling, sampling shit. Um, but that that was early, early on. What really influenced me a lot, and then of course, getting online and getting on SoundCloud, you just exposed to such a wide breadth of stuff that it just really mm-hmm. opened up from there. So when you were in high school, was this something you were taking really, really seriously towards the end? Or like when when did production and music kind of really become a priority in your life? Yeah, yeah. I So it, in high school, it definitely wasn't. I was playing drums and stuff way more than I was producing. Um, you know, I made a handful of beats, you know, in high school. Like uh, I got a MIDI keyboard when I was 18, I think. Um, mm mm-hmm. So it wasn't until Machine MK1 came out from Native Instruments in 2010, I think. And I saw a video on YouTube of some guy just going off on one of those. And because I was a drummer, mm-hmm. I was like, oh, I got to get that. Yeah. Uh, and so that and then I got the machine and then I just that then it became a lifestyle. <laughs> then I, I couldn't I couldn't stop at, at that point. Then it was like an everyday obsessive. Um, yeah, everyday obsessive type thing but i was in i was in college at that point oh yeah that was another question i was going to ask um i think it's actually kind of funny because a lot of when i listen to podcasts where producers who are your age talk about their come up um it's kind of funny because they usually started by playing an instrument and then went to production versus like nowadays there's a lot of kids that just go straight to production and never really get like Mm -hmm. the experience of starting out on guitar or maybe being in band in high school and I think that's kind of an interesting yeah, change right. that we've seen over time for sure. You you play some instruments, right? Yeah, actually, I started out, man, I think my my first real musical experience was um, at at church when I was uh, like a really little kid. We There was like Duh. miscellaneous instruments everywhere. So it's constantly just like either banging on drums yeah. or tooting some random horn. And then eventually I got into band in middle and high school. Um, and then high school is around the time where I picked up production and it was actually great because a lot of kids have to like hurdle that music theory hump in the beginning of production. But that was something I got to skip right over cause I already knew a ton of nice, band. Man. So yeah, I, I guess I kind of had the quote unquote older, uh, introduction to production where I started with an instrument and yeah, totally. doing, doing that. But, um, so after high school, you said you went to college, where did you go to college? I went to college at University of Washington in Seattle, and uh, I had considered going to a community college for audio production because they had that out here at the time, and it was something that at the time I was vaguely interested in. Mm-hmm. Um, but I ended up going to UW for civil and environmental engineering, and um, I did that, and I worked in the industry for four years doing that, you know, all mm-hmm. the while just making beats like a fucking fiend. Just not, you know, like I just couldn't, I couldn't stop. Uh, and it, uh, yeah, but that's, I did, I, that was a solid nine years of my life, you know, between college and actually being in the industry. Um, that was like my full-time thing was civil, civil and environmental engineering. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so when did, when did you consider music to actually be a possible career for you? Like at what age, at what point did you think this could actually be something I live off of? You know, I think when I was in, in college, I was really getting the vibe that, you know, I'm going to graduate with this degree and I'm going to work. But the long term, uh, I had I kind of had it, it, you know, the seed had been planted, you know, before I even graduated college that I would be not a civil engineer. That's what I knew at the <laughs> least, you know. Uh, so I, I think, you know, I did it. I can remember doing an interview on a college radio um, and this was in probably like 2012 or 2013 before graduating college uh mm-hmm. and i remember telling them that it would 
you know, within five years of graduating, I'd be doing music in some way. You know, I didn't have a, I didn't have a specific like, oh, I'm going to be an artist or I'm going to be a producer. But uh, that, that, so it was, it was, that was, I was probably 22 or 23 at the time. Mm-hmm. So um, you do mixing and recording now. What sent you down that direction as opposed to maybe being the artist or getting into the production side of things? What sent you towards the mixing direction? purely the business opportunity um mm-hmm. i've always had a ear for the sonics like i've always really appreciated the textures and the tones of music and uh and i was having and i was making beats and i was meeting a lot of artists and i just didn't understand i guess you know you you probably had this where you, if you have an artist that you don't want to produce but they're going to pay you money to produce it's like do i really want to have my name on this person's work as like an artistic contributor. And do I want to trade money for that? It's, it gets, for me, I couldn't compartmentalize it. Like, Mm -hmm. and I couldn't do the volume that I wanted to do either with producing. So mixing, it was like, I'll mix anybody that, that pulls up if they want to pay me to do it. And I don't feel I can make their song sound good, but I don't feel attached to the artistic concept the same way that if I'm producing it, um, it, it's, it's just, yeah. So does does that make sense? Like for, for it does. Yeah, for sure. It's, it's like, um, when, when you're working on someone else's song, you can kind of paint like a really nice like picture for them and not really have Mm -hmm. to worry about like it being within your sound or being your style. You can kind of take the personal, Uh, element out of it and it's it's honestly like for me it's been really healthy to be able to work on other people's stuff because it kind of gets me out of that selfish mindset of like this has to be perfect for my project and this has to sound good because i'm the one working on it but now it's like yeah yeah it's kind of a stress-free way to make music right totally totally and there is a time for that too you know there is a time to become really invested in you know the in the in your own creative input and stuff but Mm -hmm. uh it's funny though, you know, I don't talk about it a lot on, on my personal socials or my business or whatever you want to call it, the Sendai Mike socials, but I am in a group uh, with my buddy and I've been working with him. He's a rapper. I've been working with him since 2013 and we have, you know, we've played shows in, um, at like moderately sized venues um, on the West Coast and we've, you know, we've, we've done a high volume output. We've never gotten a lot of streams. And we've never made any money. We've had a decent cash flow some years in terms of just like selling merch and stuff, but we've never actually paid ourselves from it. Uh, and that's been a, you know, that's in putting in like work every single week for years. And it's just never been an actual financially viable venture. It's fun as hell. I, w- I wouldn't take any of it back, uh, obviously. Mm-hmm. But um, what I found is like the art is really hard to make money that supports you full time as an act, as an artist mm-hmm. from just the music. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I mean, all of my, you know, the producer friends I have and the people I watch on like Twitch or YouTube or whatever, it's very rare that their number one moneymaker is just putting out their own music. They're always right. like doing some side projects. Like yep. I, there's a Twitch streamer I watch. His name is Bishu. He was doing a stream of him making uh, music for a commercial. And there's just, there's always something yep. that people are doing behind the scenes and sometimes it's Fiverr. Sometimes it's just Instagram DMS. It can be anything, but, um, you mentioned that you, you were playing shows. Yeah. Talk to me a little about, uh, talk to me a little bit about that. Like what, what was that whole project about? So the, the project that I'm in with my buddy, he's a Filipino guy. I'm, I'm Japanese. I'm half Japanese, but he's a Filipino guy. And, uh, so the music is really centered around the Filipino American experience. Um, so it's a very niche sort of style. Uh, mm-hmm. but we were, we were out in Seattle doing, you know, when we first started doing it seriously in probably 2013, 2014, I wasn't even engineering really yet. We were taking our projects to other studios and we were hitting open mics like, Sometimes like, you know, three or four a week, we were just getting as much just stage time, even if it's just like open mic shit uh, as we could. And eventually, you know, that turns out into getting booked at little bars, you know, and like Mm -hmm. you can get paid 50 bucks to open up at a bar on a Thursday night, you know. Uh, Mm -hmm. And then, you know, eventually that leads to playing the side room of a big venue because they need somebody or like the homies booking 
uh, an event one night and, you know, there's going to be a bunch of rap on there and you can get slid into one spot. Um, so that's kind of, you know, we just really, um, put ourselves out there consistently, but what got us into the bigger venues was, um, we did a content series where every week, um, we like shot a, a one minute video, made a song for it. And, uh, and the video was always focused on somebody else. So somebody in the community that we knew. And, uh, we did that every week for almost a year. And the exposure that we got from that in the Filipino community was pretty decent. So we got mm-hmm. picked up, uh, to play the, like a really short tour run with the bigger, uh, Filipino rapper from LA named Bamboo. Um, and he, we had new, you know, by that time there were mutual connections in terms of like we had worked with artists who had worked with him and, and so forth. But, uh, mm-hmm. that was, that was a blast, man. I, I don't really like performing so much, honestly, like as, as the producer, like I take it or leave it, um, kind of makes me nervous. Uh, yeah, of course, <laughs> but, uh, it's fun though, I guess, you know? <laughs> yeah, for sure. Actually, it's kind of funny. I've always just like romanticized the idea of performing and I always hear these stories of like the beginning of a DJ's career where they're playing at those small venues and they're doing the bars and they're doing just like the little, the little stuff to get by yep. and, it's kind of a bummer because I live at like in the middle of nowhere in New England on the East Coast. And so it's like there's not a ton of access to those little areas. And so I feel like that's like one of the things I like might miss out on is just playing those like tiny little locations. But uh, I hunt yeah. my pack and I, I try to find stuff. But I mean, we'll we'll see what happens. I yeah, guess. that's tough, man. What's the what's the what's the largest city that you're closest to? Boston is like. I think two hours away. <laughs> okay. Okay. Yep. Yep. So yep. Yep. It's decent I could I could probably haul down there sometime, but you know it's out of the way. So um, I want to kind of get into the process of what you did to make music a career. Um, yeah. And so talk to me about what was like the first step you took, or um, yeah, yeah. What was the first yeah, totally. step you took to to making that that leap? Totally. So I think, you know, this was, I was still working at my job. I was very depressed. Um, I had gotten, you know, I got to a point, it was like, I was at the job I was in, it was just, I was just doing way over my head, uh, a lot of, a lot of pressure, at least perceived pressure and, um, high stress. And I was just working a lot of hours, uh, not a happy camper. So I was getting the feeling like I need to get out of this, uh, before I fucking go crazy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sorry, man. I didn't even ask, uh, I keep swearing. I probably like, oh, I don't know. You're scary? fine. You can swear. <laughs> okay, good. cool, cool. I'm, I'm sorry. I should, I should have asked beforehand. Uh, I know fine. like sometimes it's gotta be clean for the podcast. Uh, yeah. But, um, yeah, that, the job was just not, not a, not a healthy situation for me. So I kind of just set the goal like, Oh, I'm going to make a thousand dollars this year from music in one way or another. And I didn't know what that was going to look like. Um, but it quickly became like, yeah, I got to be recording people. Uh, you know, you know, I was getting little checks from shows. Um, and little, you know, little, little doing little live audio gigs and stuff. Uh, that was another thing I, I was looking at. Like, maybe I'll do live audio, do sound for venues and stuff. Um, so I, I picked up some shifts doing that to just see what it was like to feel, feel it out. Um, so I, I didn't, you know, I didn't really have a plan. I just knew that I had to do it. Um, mm-hmm. and i I just kind of ended up pivoting into recording because, uh, that was sort of the thing that, um, that people around me needed. Uh, I had been volunteering for a long time at a community center. So I got to know a lot of really young artists who, by the time I was making this transition, they were looking for a spot to record. And they were like, you know, a little more grown than, you know, they had all, they were all in their early twenties. So we like, uh, yeah, I just started recording people in my room for 10 bucks an hour. And, uh, I was, I was in a studio apartment at the time. So it was just a tiny little room. I just had a pair of KRKs, five inch KRKs and, uh, the ch- literally the cheapest microphone you can buy <laughs> from guitar <laughs> center is like a MXL $99 MXL. And, uh, we just started recording people in Ableton and, you know, the, t- the kind of people that are going to pay 10 bucks an hour, 
they're going to love the way it sounds because, you know, they don't, you know, like, uh, yeah. so I, I, yeah. I had no idea what I was doing, but it didn't sound bad, you know? So, mm-hmm. um, and I just went from there and I just, uh, once, you know, one, if it's, if it's not, if it doesn't sound bad and it's, and you're coming in under the market, rate, People will tell people. And, uh, mm-hmm. so I, I kind of just booked myself out like that. Um, I ended up moving to another spot and I just sort of set it up every night, 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. Um, and I moved it up to 20 bucks an hour sometime at, in that, in that, uh, in that year. But mm-hmm. that's, that's basically how it started. And so I got a, a, a steady rotation of people and I just got the feel for it. This is what it's like to track clients every day. And, um, then at a certain point I, uh, left my job and rented this studio unit that I'm in now and, uh, just kept doing it, but, um, just more. (laughs) Yeah, man, for sure. So when you were kind of getting into the pursuit, was this something you were really internal or internal about, or were you telling all of your friends that you were doing this? What did your parents think of this? Oh yeah. My parent, wow. I just feel super lucky because, um, I've had so much support, which I know not everybody has, but even my boss, you know, at my old job who had just like trained me to be like in their company and everything. She was like super supportive of me doing it. My parents were like, you know, they would have preferred me not to be living in here probably. Um, but, uh, I stayed, I stayed in here for a while they probably would have preferred me not to been doing that, but they were a hundred percent supportive. Um, my, mm-hmm. my girlfriend, super supportive. I basically just posted on, um, I posted on Instagram a few times, like, Hey, I'm recording people, but I wasn't like, uh, you know, people tell, people tell people, people tell other mm-hmm. people. Um, yeah, for sure. Know, like it just, it's a small, I've been, I'd been in the little local scene here for long enough that I kind of already knew everybody. So everybody kind of, Everybody kind of yeah. knew it. Yeah. So no doubt there's a huge kind of marketing aspect and business aspect to what you do and what pretty much all artists do and musicians. Um, was that – did you already have kind of a um, an awareness for the marketing scene or was that something you kind of had to develop as you went? That's a great question, man. I kind of stumbled into it. I, I got super lucky in the beginning because I, uh, I just – met so many people initially so i had a high you know just add the network was wide to begin with and then um in the beginning i was just like every day you know it started with me just every day like today i'm gonna do something that grows the business you know whether that's like dming somebody or emailing somebody or um but it really turned the corner for me i started listening to this podcast called the six figure home studio podcast and it's a pretty big podcast now, but I somehow caught it like on episode one. Oh, and I wow. just listened to that podcast every week that it came out and I did mm-hmm. everything those guys said. And um, that was a huge educational thing for me on the business side. I also did a decent amount of life and business coaching. So I threw down for like a pretty expensive package where this guy was like, you know, telling me to do what to do and how to do it. Um, not really on the mechanics of the business side, but just like, he was like, I wasn't making any content. You know, I opened the studio. I wasn't making content. And he was like, you have to make content, bro. Like you have to be making content all the time. Just do it. And uh, because I was paying him all this money to tell me that, like I had to get started <laughs> doing that. And like, yeah. that's how the whole, you know, cause I've been doing the videos on Instagram for probably, you know, it's over three years now. I'm just thinking, damn, if I'd been doing that on TikTok, like, it'd be, <laughs> I, was, I was fucking yeah. up. <laughs> yeah, it's so funny because like everybody talks about their content journey the exact same way. It was always like super resistant in the beginning, not really wanting to do it, but then eventually, once you start, it becomes easier and easier, and it kind of yeah. becomes, you know, natural at some point. I remember when I first started, it just like it seemed so daunting in the sense that like I I wanted to make something that was good funny stuck to like me my personality my brand but wasn't just like stupid like clearly me just trying to get content content out for the day and it was just very overwhelming at first once i made like my first like 50 videos i was like okay like i get the hang of this i know how this works you know yeah 
I, I think you were the, you might have been like one of the first people, like in the first two or three people that I actually followed on, on TikTok, just because like strong content, man. Like I was like, damn, oh, wow. I'm trying to be like Kid Brian. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. I got to think, I think my first, like, um, you know who Lusion Music is on TikTok? Uh-uh. Oh, he ma- he makes like some of those, some of the most viral remixes on that app. Okay, he dope. just like makes these videos about him remixing songs, and they just always blow up every time. Um, it was funny actually. Like the way I went about making content, it was just like I I looked at the whole scene of music production content, and it's great to actually be able to talk about this with someone because I rarely get to. <laughs> um, but it was basically either people were doing tutorials or people were doing just videos of them either like playing an instrument or making a beat or something like that. And uh-huh. I just, it just didn't sit right with me. Like my personality doesn't translate to tutorials very well. Um, mm. And so it just didn't fit right with me. And then I think just playing beats and playing instruments doesn't stick for a lot of people. Like they don't get a lot of views. Like no, at the end of the day, no one cares if you're playing a beat in front of like a, a camera. Right, it's just like, it's right. kind of the, it's the content that doesn't do great. And so I was just trying to think so hard about like, what could I do? That's like, music production but then also tiktok and comedy is like one of the biggest things on the app right now and i was like how can i how can i just take the trends from tiktok and bring them to the music world and it's been waves sometimes i I have a video that gets thirty thousand likes and sometimes i get one that gets 20 so it's like it's kind of a wave but i've been doing and it's been a fantastic journey um so Talk to me a little bit about what, like, some of the biggest setbacks you had when building your career. Mm, man, I had one. Uh, this is the one. This isn't even related to the mixing career, but my art, my uh, or my my music group, we had a little run in with the IRS on some just bullshit um, mm-hmm. that cost about, <laughs> it, like, basically the. <laughs> hire a CPA to do your taxes. <laughs> like don't do them <laughs> yourself. Like if you're in any sort of like business structure, I feel like if you're in any sort of LLC or anything, like it's just not worth it. Just hire, hire a CPA to do it. Um, Cause they will come for you. Like we didn't, we weren't even making money. We were taking, we were t- declaring a loss and we just ignored a couple letters because we thought like, we're not even making any money, but it ended up costing us over three grand in um, oh, wow. just fees, just like, technicality fees uh yeah. that was the hard pill to swallow and that was like mm-hmm. my rite of passage into adulthood <laughs> <I feel like. laughs> yeah uh, um i think the uh you know the setbacks like i i've it's been just a slow steady grind for me from like you know i, I when i started and i opened the studio it was like a great thing but i also wasn't profitable like i was in here just working my ass off trying to get more work i wasn't charging enough um i think you know my first year in business i was charging 30 bucks an hour which is like a decent rate to make but you know when you're renting the space Mm -hmm. that all that that entire 30 dollars an hour basically goes into your overhead um it's you don't actually pay yourself after that so that was a learning curve for me is like, it took me a while to raise my rates high enough to where I could actually pay myself and like live a normal life. Um, but that's not really, I mean, that's not less of a setback and more of just like a long, slow grind. Um, I'm trying to think of more like instances of, uh, I, I honestly, man, it's just been a slow, steady grind of mm-hmm. progress, man. I haven't had a whole lot of things that really, um, thankfully, uh, I've just been lucky in a lot of ways, I think. So did you ever experience like any burnout at all along the way? Cause I know that's an issue for a lot of people. It's like they put their head down and grind, but then just get hit with a wall of like mental health issues or burnout that they don't see. Yeah, that's, that's a good point, man. I, so I've been experiencing burnout since I was a child, basically, like since I, since like adolescence, you know, in high, in high school, I think I it was under a lot of pressure academically from my folks in college. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the engineering program very rigorous. I was basically I basically been a workaholic, working myself to the point of exhaustion um, for as long as I can remember. Yeah, and that's man. not that's not like a 
that's not a good thing at all. Like I'm going to live way less because of that probably in the long run. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I know now that like, you know, even when I was in the office, like when I was in the office, I would be working some days like, you know, you know, I, I guess I've been through the burnout. And, and so now it's like, if I can burn out doing something that I love, like, fuck it, dude, I'm gonna, <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, for like sure. it's not even, um, I'm definitely, I'm definitely on that edge all the time though. And I'm trying, that's something I'm constantly trying to, um, be better about and take better care of myself and, uh, just, just turn the throttle back a little bit. Like there's, you know, there's, I, I, I it never turns off though for me. Like I wake up in the middle of the night, thinking about you know just the the studio and content and interactions mm -hmm. i've had with people and i wake up and i'm thinking about it i put my phone in this fucking phone safe now because uh every night because if i don't like i'll go to sleep with that phone in my hand just like <laughs> yep for, and uh yeah so yeah that's 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 something that i've struggled with my entire life and it's it's a double-edged sword because it's given me the drive to just push through relentlessly through everything <laughs> and it's also given me uh it's stunted my growth like personally and <laughs> interpersonally because you know i just so singularly focused that uh not not hasn't been a lot of balance in my life yeah for sure man i think that's something i didn't see coming uh when i first started but i'm, I'm kind of slowly figuring out now kind of just like you um i don't think it's talked about a lot like i consumed a lot of content from like big influencers who talk about like hustling in the process but it was right. very rare that i heard them talk about like that inevitable burnout feeling that everyone everyone yeah. hits at some point and um you know looking back i can kind of relate to what you said about kind of your whole life feeling a lot of pressure and a lot of on the edge burnout um you know looking yeah. back in high school it was the same way like there was a great expectation and it's kind of funny because every time I go through like a big phase of my life, I always look back and think, man, if only I had taken that a little less seriously, I would have been so totally. much better off. And that always happens. And so I constantly wonder like, should I be taking things less seriously? But then I'm like, but I have to work hard. So it's like, it's kind of a back and forth battle. And it's kind of great though, because a lot of people are starting to talk about that now. Um, very recently, uh, a lot of, a lot of music producers are talking about the mental health aspect and kind of just like warning people and saying yeah. like the switch can't always be on. Like you have to have time where you're just like not doing music. Like fuck this. Right. I'm going to go to the gym for an hour or spend a day doing something completely unrelated. Just take my mind off stuff. And so obviously it's hard because yeah. when we're music producers, we're just trained to just constantly work and crank out, like you said, content, music, relationships. And so being able to balance the intense necessary work uh, and the the time off doing something else is really hard and it's a skill and it's something that I'm trying to work out. I yeah. think it's something that everyone's trying to work through. But um, and I wonder if it's ever totally. going to go away because I feel like once you kind of complete a task, there's just another one in front of you. And so it's like, is there ever going right, to be? Like, am man. I just going to do this my whole life? I don't know. So yeah, man, it's like I feel like everyone can relate to that in a million different ways for sure. Um. Yeah, so, man, I appreciate you bringing that up, man, because it, it's important for sure. You said on TikTok um, that you, you do edit someone who is talking about face-to-face -face interactions in the music industry. And you said that face-to-face that -face interactions are one of the most important things to your career and to a lot of musicians' career. What would you say to someone who doesn't necessarily live in an area where there's a huge music scene and doesn't get a lot of those face-to-face -face interactions? What would you say to yeah, them? Yeah, like, yeah. Are DMs enough? I think DMs, like, I, I, I know that, like, it's, okay, so it's definitely, like, you can have the same thing of, of high-volume face-to-face interaction. You can have that online, but it has to be, you know, you have to go deep with people. Like, I have, you know, I have homies that I met on SoundCloud almost 10 years ago, and, uh, you know, I just met them on SoundCloud, but, you know, then we linked in real, we've linked in person. I've made beats with them. Those beats have gotten placed in commercials and stuff, like, it's uh wow. and these are just internet homies you know like um so yeah i i definitely think that there's opportunities on the internet 
and it's exactly the same as in person, but you have to go deep with people. You have to develop the relationships with people and Mm -hmm. it can't just be like, you know, I, I get, you know, you probably get it all the time. People just DMing you. Like it's, it's basically copy and paste messages. Um, yep. The, the DM will go a lot further if you've been consistently interacting with the content of that person and commenting on stuff for a long time. Like if they, if you actually have like a, you know, like the, there's, there's ways to do it online, but it, it has to be built on an actual tangible, like authentic willingness to build a relationship, um, uh, which is, you know, in, in face to face, it's just easier to, that it's just easier to facilitate that. I think Mm -hmm. I went to business school for two months, uh, before I completely dropped out. I, I, you didn't know that, but you know it now. Um, basically kind of the whole mindset, uh, I took a marketing class and what they taught me about relationship building was very different from what I've heard from people in the music industry in that they were very like, uh, find ways to use this person so that they do what you want and you can get what you want from them versus like what I've heard from music producers is just like become friends with the person and then make music with the person. And that's the process totally, rather than yeah. just like using people. So is that something you relate to at all? Is it very different from I what you, so. you, people usually paint it as? That's, I think that's, uh, yeah, you hit it, you hit it spot on. There's, there's a, there's a great book that I recommend to anybody who's, pursuing any type of business venture um the book is called the go-giver and it's sort of a business parable but basically the premise of the book is that um it's kind of like the opposite i guess of what you learned is that you should just always just offer people offer to help people and genuinely if you genuinely try to help people not like you you know intuitively from the business standpoint you know like i i guess it, it would make sense that you want to see what you can get out of a situation or see how you can leverage a relationship. But the premise of this book and what I've learned in my experience is just the more you can offer people just in terms of help, support, whatever it is, the more that you can genuinely offer that, like it doesn't matter what you get back because if you're doing that with people all the time, uh, it just, it just all comes back to you, you know, in one way or another, not necessarily from that person, but you know, like, one person who came in, uh, in, in just an example of like a person who would be a terrible client, they come in drunk or they come in fucked up or their, mm. their music is bad or they're disrespectful. You know, I can treat them, them like an asshole, but nine times out of 10, I just, I try to be as, you know, I try to treat them with as respectfully as I can and support them through it and be nice to them. And then it's not that they come back necessarily, but they, bring people you know like and so that one one hour session that's just fucking just terrible if i can genuinely help that person like more often than not it turns into it can turn into thousands of dollars of work from other from other people that they know basically um and it happens all the time it happens all the time that if i had not you know i could have just said no get the fuck out you know but um Mm -hmm. It's worth it's worth being nice to people, you know. It's worth it. Yeah, it's totally worth it. For sure, absolutely. Um, I can relate to that. So I kind of want to talk about the music industry kind of being built around just using people, which is kind of what we were just talking about. How like everybody everybody is going into a relationship just like looking for value, but then they have to act like they're providing value. Is that? <laughs> oh do you know what I'm God, talking dude. about? Or like? Oh yeah, we're getting we're going deep here, man. Yeah, definitely, <laughs> man. It's. Because, yeah, the same, oh my God, yeah, the same people telling you to work 10 days a week are the ones telling you to offer value to everybody. It's like a weirdly, um, yeah, it's, it's weird, man. It's weird. Uh, I, I find myself like walking that edge really finely sometimes because I can tell sometimes when my con, like, you know, when I started making content, it was so innocent and be like, hey guys, how's it going? Today we're going to, like teach you how to record a better vocal sound. Like you want to set your mic up like this and you know, this is, this will be helpful. And of course that quickly devolved into be like, these are three tips that you can, blah, 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 you, know? <laughs> <laughs> you know, and it, like I can feel the dark edge of it where I'm like, um, yeah, it's, yeah, it's, yeah, I don't, I don't even, I honestly, like I, I don't even know how to answer yourself. that question. You yeah. feel like you're you're losing yourself for 
the content, like trying to make it something that people can consume easier rather than just like sticking to what's you. Totally, totally. That that doesn't quite answer answer your initial question though. Um, it is there. Uh, yeah, it's. It wasn't I, I even. I it was. It's not really a question. It's just like that's something I've observed. It's just like yeah. It's not a bad thing. It's like it's okay. That's how people level up, and that's how people create relationships. But at first, it's like I can't imagine getting in the room with a big artist without them thinking like, "Oh, this kid's only in here to like get clout or like just move up his career. Like he's not here for me. He just wants to like help himself." And so I feel like there, to an extent, everybody kind of has this subconscious just thinking in the back of their head that's just like are they actually here because they care or do they just want to rank up their relationship with the music industry? You know, that's just something yeah. I've observed. It's kind of strange. Um, so totally. we're kind of coming to the end here. So I want to, I want to pick off these last questions I have for you. What, yep, do, what yep. would you say has been the biggest misconception about the music industry that you found like from the outside people looking in on the music industry, crazy misconceptions. What, what would you say is like the biggest one? Um. Oh, from the outside looking in. Um. Yeah, I think uh, the the biggest misconception is where the money is. You know, it's like where the money is actually being spent mm-hmm. is not where people think it is, and where the money is being paid is not where people think it is. Like you know, we talked, we touched on that earlier. Like artists don't really make money from streams. They don't really. They do. They have. They're, you know, producers now are selling sample packs. They're selling, um, like making it as a producer now really a lot of times entails a, a business, a side business or not a side business, mate, whatever you want to call it, like, uh, courses, artist services, um, and artists are, are beginning to find that now as well. The landscape is changing so quickly. And this is, a, I don't know if this is a misconception, but, uh, it's changing so fast that the rules that applied even last year in terms of how we learn how to do things, how, um, how music gets made, it's all changing so quickly that the rules that, you know, that I'm saying, you know, a year ago on Instagram don't even apply anymore. Um, Mm -hmm. and I think that's a big, uh, yeah, whether you want to call it a misconception or not, like, people think that, yeah, people think that music gets made a certain way and people get paid a certain way. And it's, uh, it's not like that at all. A lot of people get paid off of sync. Now sync is huge, like for TV and film, like, uh, there are some people, a lot of artists that, uh, that is their primary, primary income source over streaming, merch, everything. Um, yes. Yeah, for sure. I hear Russ talk about the touring business all the time and how people constantly think that touring is the way you make money in the industry. And that's like the biggest money maker. But like if you have a manager and you have an agent and you have this whole business underneath you as an artist, you're not going to see a lot of the money that you get from touring and streaming again. Like you said, it's not going to pay you much. And so I feel like, like you said, people looking in on the industry, they think it's a very clear cut way. Everyone's getting paid just like doing the same stuff, but specifically for music producers, like I found that out, not the hard way, but just, I didn't know it before. And now I I know it now where like putting music out is just the tip of the iceberg. Like that's very important. It's the basis of my business, but that's, that's how putting out music is how people are going to find me so that they can use my other services, either Fiverr or any, any way they can, you know, they can get access to my services. And so, yeah, it's been really interesting kind of figuring out the other ways that people make money aside from just, you know, uh, putting out music. So, um, I know in my, are are you on Fiverr right now, man? Um, I'm about to be, I'm setting everything up. I have this huge campaign that I'm, I'm sticking out there. Have you ever been on Fiverr? Do you use it at all? I've, I've hired people on Fiverr for like little odds and ends once or twice, but I've never used it myself. Why is that? Is it just not interested or? Um, I've just, ne- I, I guess like, I, yeah, I mean, I, I guess I've always just, uh, I, I'm not, a, I guess I'm not, I'm definitely not opposed to it. Um, I just haven't, uh, I, I'm, I'm I, my fear of institutions really, honestly, like yeah. I'd rather just do it solo dolo uh, as long as I can. Uh, Cause you know, sound better is another one that 
I've, I've thought about doing it's like Fiverr just for just for audio basically oh wow yeah but what what are you uh what are, are, are you gonna be doing mixing i'm gonna be doing everything i can possibly think of i know Sick. there's like there's like cheerleading mashups that cheerleading teams need and i'll make a little alley for that there's people who need podcast intros that i'll do yeah I will, i'm gonna try to get like really niche with it because like yeah if you go on fiverr it's like i will be your music producer and then there's a billion kids just trying to do that and yep, so yep, yep, yep. i guess my tactic is like what are the wicked like stupid niche things that still that's have dope. some demand that i can get a hold that's of dope. so that's that's what i'm You're gonna kill it man that i'm hoping so um, I know in my career so far, it's kind of been all over the place. I like trying out a lot of stuff. Like I, I think like a year ago, two years ago, I tried selling beats and then I tried starting a music company around giving people lessons. And then I started going the whole artist direction. Have you ever had moments in your career where you were like, wait, I don't want to do mixing. I want to do this aspect of the music industry. Have you ever had moments like that? Oh yeah. Oh, all the time, man. Like my end goal here is not to be in the trenches with artists every day it's it's fucking exhausting honestly um so i would love to just be able to make make beats i'd love to be able to make my own music but the um the thing is is like there's all the thing that i found is there's always going to be some work to do like there's a reason why people are paying you you know like uh it's going to be work and you're going to have to face the resistance of it being work um even if it is the you know the like because i you know i guess i pivoted a lot before getting into mixing and um yeah i don't i don't i'll mix i'll mix for the rest of my life for sure but will it be the my primary income source for the rest of my life i doubt it mm-hmm. that was actually one of my other questions is what is kind of the future of your project like where do you want to go like where is kind of the end goal yeah man i was just discussing this uh we were just talking i'm in a little masterminds group with a few other engineers and we were just talking about this question last week um so for me i'm trying to get this studio now that I kind of have the mechanics of the business side of the studio, I'm trying to get another engineer working in here, taking sessions. Mm-hmm. And um, then I can reduce my hours further. And once I can get that systemized really well, train the right person and train them to train people, um, get another engineer and basically just book this room 24 seven. Um, yeah. Cause it's, I I'm capable of that volume right now, but I literally can't do more than I'm doing. Um, but because of the, the way I have it set up with in, inside in, in just in Seattle with, um, the marketing and, and just where I'm, uh, and it, just how I've been doing it. Uh, that's sort of the, so that's sort of the goal is basically get this studio booked and just basically step. And then I can step away from it and decide, okay, now I can focus on actually making content that helps people mm-hmm. do something real. And st- you know, I'm probably making YouTube videos. Long form content is definitely something uh, I'm trying to do. Um, For sure. I want to have a scalable digital product, you know, that, I, <laughs> you know, it's I'm, like, I want to do all the things, you know, like all, all the shits. Uh, yeah. I think that's honestly like time. one of the greatest parts for the music industry is like you start small and then once you start scaling, it's like the possibilities are endless. There's a million yeah. ways to make money or build a brand on, you know, in the music business. It's kind of like the wild west. You can just do whatever. Totally. And not all industries are exactly. like that. And I think that's kind of the coolest part is like, I'm still at the beginning, but I just see like all the possibility in front of me. And that's like, honestly, the coolest part. Um, so one of my last questions here, if you could talk to your past self when you were first getting into the industry, what would be like the one piece of advice you would give yourself? Uh, um, I would tell myself to not live in the studio for as long as I did, <laughs> but, uh, uh, but more practical on gen- generally speaking, I know it sounds cliche, uh, but just like take a fucking vacation, bro. Like just chill for a week once in a while. Like I just, uh, <laughs> you know, I literally spent my entire twenties just working myself to the bone. Um, and that's just the nature of who I am. Like I can't almost, yep. almost like I'm fucking just giving up to that. But, uh, if I could go back in time be like, go have some fun, you know, go fucking have some crazy experiences. Uh, not too crazy, but you know, <laughs> yeah, man, for sure. <laughs> yeah. 
Are, are you familiar? Do, but yeah. Are you familiar with Gary V? Oh yeah. <laughs> he talks about that all the time. He he actually like he put out a piece of content once that was like if I could tell my high schooler self something, I would say have more fun because you took everything too seriously and yada, yada, yada. And just like we were talking about earlier, like I wonder if someday I'm going to look back on these next like four years and say to myself, like, why didn't you, you know, just chill or like take, take more breaks. Like, cause I'm just in this mindset that like my work ethic is what's going to get me somewhere. But like, again, like we talked about earlier, taking those breaks are necessary. So it's a learning curve. Yeah. <laughs> it's hard. For sure. Um, so yeah, kind of just you, you got the work ethic, man. And so, yeah, don't like taking, taking a little time off is man. It's not going to slow you down, man. You know, you, you got that, you got that drive. So don't, don't worry. <laughs> yeah, for like, sure. yeah. It's funny, actually, I'll go on like a vacation, like snowboarding and I'll be like lying in the hotel, just thinking about like my mixes or something like that. Just like, Oh, I got to do this when I get home and this and this. So learning how to actually vacation when I'm on vacation is also a skill. Um, totally. so just to, just to wrap it up here, just roll out the red carpet, man, and plug, like, what do you got coming up as far as, like, what do you want people to know about you? Any social media you want to plug? Go for it, man. Um, yeah, come come find me on, on Discord. I, uh, I'm i trying to, like, you know, as, as much as the, uh, you know, you can find me on, on uh, all the social medias, wherever social media is found, you know, all that stuff. I'll be on Twitter pretty decently like twitter is probably my my favorite it's my like least like biggest account but it's my favorite account um mm-hmm. come fuck with me on twitter and i i just made this discord too where i'm trying to really connect with people a little bit closer i'm trying to go a little bit deeper with fewer people than sh- shallower with more or wider with more people if that makes sense so i'm, yeah. I'm hoping that uh, i can get a nice little just squad together going on discord and we can share uh just what we're learning and working on so if, uh, if you bug with discord come say what's up over there get it in awesome man sweet thanks for coming on that was great yeah thanks so much for having me man i really appreciate it and uh dude something dude you're it's like yeah you you're I'm, I'm trying to be like you man like i'm trying to have i'm trying to be posting every day dude i'm trying to make a podcast like it's really inspiring man maybe someday if i have a podcast dude you'll be one of the first guys i holler at for sure yeah i appreciate that man thank you it means a lot <laughs>
Um, you know, I feel like, I feel like while my Instagram and like Twitter and all that is kind of funny and TikTok too, uh, I feel like this is a great opportunity to kind of get a little serious, you know, kind of bail on the comedic personality and kind of just get some cool, valuable conversation down. Um, but yeah, I can't wait for the future. Things are going great. Um, yeah. See you guys next episode. Peace. Peace.